head to Mark chapter four. Grab a Bible, head to your phone, Mark chapter four, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're gonna be in Mark four in just a moment. And you can also grab this study guide. Hopefully you've gotten one of these throughout the series. Uh, it's a place for you to take notes. Anything that you see on the screen, a scripture verse, a point, you can, you can write that down. But as well, anything that God were to bring to mind, he's doing that for a reason. And so you can write that down to come back to it, as well as it has discussion questions you can use throughout the week. So if you didn't grab one of those already, please grab one, take one with you as you leave this place. But we are in this series entitled, You Are Not Alone. And we've gone through some very difficult and, uh, but relevant topics already. We talked about grief the first week and security last week. And I believe maybe the most difficult and relevant topic is today, which is anxiety. And if you look at it, uh, everybody struggles with anxiety in some way. But uh, as you look at the studies, a lot of people struggle with anxiety now, like in present day. Uh, I just looked at one, according to the National Institute of Mental Health, just in the United States. Over 40 million people deal with anxiety. And as you know, with studies and specifically with anxiety, as much as it goes undiagnosed or, or not even talked about at all, that number is probably a little bit low of 40 million. It's probably a lot more than that that struggle with anxiety. And it's, it's all sorts of types of anxiety, right? It's, some of you, it's, it's clinical, like you, you deal with anxiety on that level, but for some of you, it's, it's seasonal or situational. And, and for some of you, it's, it's, it's small, but for some of you, it's serious. And it, it's kind of all across the board. And yet many of us feel like we are all alone in our anxiety. So we want to talk about it and, and talk about the different things that make us anxious. Because there are different things. There, there are different things that make me anxious than, than what makes you anxious, Right? But, but I think there's certain things that we all kind of have in common. Like everybody's had that moment where you've texted a friend and you look back at the phone when they haven't replied yet and you just see that empty space in the text. But then you maybe wait a few seconds and you check again. You start to have some anxiety. Why haven't they responded? And you don't see nothing. What do you see? The dots or the bubbles. And that makes you more anxious because you're like, they've been writing for a while. What are they going to say? My question wasn't that difficult. Or, or the things that makes you the most anxious is you see the dots and you see the bubbles, but then what happens? They disappear. That makes you the most anxious. You're like, hey, why, why were you typing? And then did you stop? And, and for some of you, that lasts for a few minutes. For some of you, that lasts for a few hours, right? To the point where a thousand back and forth anxious thoughts about what if scenarios ends with, they're just not my friend anymore. Right? Anybody been there? And then you find it, you talk to them like the next day at work, and they're like, what are you talking about? My kid had my phone all day yesterday. And it was nothing, but yet you were anxious about the, the what ifs and the what isn't, right? We're anxious about something called FOMO. We created an acronym for this, like the fear of missing out, of what's going on out there in the world that I'm missing out on. That's why you check social media incessantly, Right? You're like, well, what if there's something important going on? That's why you watch the news. What if I'm missing out? That's why you ask your friend, hey, what are you doing? What'd you do this weekend? And we have anxiety over that. We have anxiety over uh, failed, failing to meet expectations. We wonder, like, is our employer happy with us? Like, he, he walks, your boss, you ever been there? Your boss walks into the room and makes eye contact with every single person but you. And you leave that room and you're like, 
Did I do something wrong? Was it about what Sheila said on Friday? Was it my report didn't come out? Like, and then you talk to your boss and he's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and yet you're anxious about that. So some of us are anxious about small things. Some of us, it's about serious things. It's about loss or the potential of loss. Like physically, financially, relationally. And you think, well, what if these things happen to my family or my friends? And, and you have anxiety about those things. See, the reality is we all have anxiety. Some of them we share, some of them we don't. And, and I believe because we don't all share the same anxieties, here's what happens. There's a shame and a stigma associated with anxieties. Some of it's because we don't talk about anxiety at all, and there's that shame and stigma. But some of it's, even as I just gave out that list, some of you thought, oh, yeah, that's me. I get anxious over that exact thing. And some of you thought, how silly. Does anybody actually get anxious with the bubbles and the text messages? And so I realized in this room, there's some shame, there's some stigma around this anxiety. And so the beauty of church is we can bring all of that shame and all of that stigma in, and we can have some honesty about our anxiety and see God heal it, right? And free us from the shame of it so we can actually deal with it. I was talking to a, a therapist friend of mine this week, and, and she said, yeah, a lot of my clients, they struggle with anxiety, but more than that, they struggle with anxiety over their anxiety, and she said, the biggest victory I, I can get from them is if they will start to deal with their anxiety, then it doesn't destroy them. But it's when they hold it back, avoid it, numb it, are shamed by it, that it takes them out. And I believe that's true for some of you this morning. And so by God's grace, we're going to talk about anxiety today, and we're going to see some people healed. Uh, so that's, that's my prayer, and that's where we're headed this morning. So we're going to look at a story in Mark chapter 4, kind of a case study of anxiety with the disciples and with Jesus. And so Mark chapter 4, if you take notes, our first point is this. It's God cares about your anxiety. God cares about your anxiety. Here's our text. Mark 4, 35 through 41, it says this. It says, on that day when evening had come, he said to them, that's Jesus, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, that's Jesus, asleep on the cushion. Don't you just love Jesus? And it says, they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care? that we are perishing. So some context as we parachute in here. Notice Mark begins the text with, on that day. This is the, the end of a very long day. Jesus had been teaching to large crowds. And as Jesus often does, he teaches to large crowds and is with a lot of people. And then he goes off to be with just his disciples. And in this case, he does that in a boat on the sea. And you kind of have to picture this moment because I think for us, like we're, we're kind of scared of the sea in 2022. Uh, we know how powerful the ocean is, but we have some things that sort of soften that, right? Like we have a weather app on our phone. So if we know there's a storm at the beach, we, we don't go to the beach that day. We have cruise ships, like giant boats that sort of plow through the dangerous waves. And, and we don't even really feel it. If you've been on a cruise ship, you kind of feel a little bit, but you're not even in, in the midst of that, the power of those waves. And then we also, if anything were to really go awry, we have rescue teams and helicopters. And so we have a little bit of, of, of fear of the sea, but they had way more back then. 
In fact, if you read the Old Testament, it'll talk about this sea creature called the Leviathan. Can you say that with me? The Leviathan. Some scholars think maybe it was like a sea monster in that day, or, or maybe it was just like a great white shark, but this is what they called it. And oftentimes, even in figurative language in the Old Testament, they'll talk about the Leviathan coming at them. It was this thing to be afraid of, and that people died on the sea for all sorts of reasons. And, and that's just the sea in general in that day. Here we have a storm. And did you notice how Mark described the storm? He said, it's a great windstorm that there's water filling the boat. And it's a storm, I think this is interesting, it's a storm scary enough, intense enough to scare the disciples. Now, what did many of the disciples do for a living before they walked with Jesus? Fishermen. You think they'd been in boats? You think they'd been in storms? And yet, They're terrified. Mark's going to tell us they think they're going to perish. They think they're going to die. And so it's a massive storm. you got to picture that. And they are fearful for their lives. There's not a rescue chopper coming, right? They're they're fearful. They're, They're anxious in this moment. That's the moment we find the disciples in with Jesus. But I want you to consider two things with me. Two things. that The disciples, these fishermen who we're experienced fishermen. They're in this boat with the storm and they still got anxious. But not just that. They were people that were the closest people to Jesus in all the earth. They were his disciples. They had seen him do massive miracles. They, they were close with this Jesus who's powerful and yet they were still anxious. And not only were they close like in life, they were close like in proximity. Jesus was still in the boat. He, he wasn't in another boat. He, he didn't leave the scene. He was there and yet they were still anxious. This is an important thing to note if you want to write this down. The, the, the presence of anxiety doesn't equal the absence of God. Right? Some of you need to hear that this morning. The presence of your anxiety doesn't equal the absence of God. It didn't in this scenario. It doesn't in your life. And yet many times, because of maybe some shame and stigma, maybe even in the church, we think that about anxiety, right? I know it doesn't add a single hour to my life. Jesus said, don't, Philippians 4, like, don't be anxious about what, Paul? Like, anything, (laughs) And we think, okay, well, if I have anxiety then, if anxiety's present, God must be absent. And I want you to see in this story that that is not true. Right? See, we have to kind of reframe anxiety because I think many times the way we talk about it, we do, we immediately go to the, the passages, don't be anxious. It doesn't add a single hour to your life. You feel alone in your anxiety and you feel shameful about it. You feel like God has left you in the midst of it. And we need to actually look at anxiety in the Bible afresh. I preached a whole sermon on this last year, so you can go back and watch that sermon, but I just would touch on it briefly today. If you look at that word anxiety in the New Testament, it's really interesting. The root word in the original language is the same word for care and concern. In fact, in many of your little word-for-word translations, what you'll see is those words are used interchangeably. It's usually just changed for context. I'll give you a couple examples. 1 Corinthians 7. 
Many of you know that that's the passage that talks about sex, it talks about singleness, it talks about marriage. And Paul says something. He says, hey, if you're not married, like single people, if you're not married, hey, that actually can be a good thing. Because married people, they are anxious or they're concerned, same word, about their spouse. You as a single person, you can just be anxious or concerned about the things of God. Same word. Romans chapter 12 talks about Paul again. He's, he's saying, hey, let each part of this body of Christ, there's members of this body, let each part be equally concerned or anxious about one another. In a positive light. Same word, we just change it for the context. Well, Tim, why, why does that matter? Here, here's why it matters. is some level of anxiety within you just means you care. Just means you're concerned. We see that even in the, the New Testament text. Right? I heard one pastor say it this way. Here's the surefire way. You wanna know how to not have any anxiety ever in your life? You wanna know how to do it? Here's how you do it. You do not love anyone or anything. And then you won't have anxiety, right? And of course he was saying that in jest, right? We all know if you're all by yourself, you have your own anxiety, right? But, but sometimes we need to reframe this whole conversation around anxiety to realize some of it comes from the fact that you care, but also some of it comes from the fact that you don't think God cares. Did you notice that in the text? What's the question the disciples asked Jesus? Do you not care? See, I think at the root of a lot of our anxiety is we don't believe God cares. And so if you think about your finances and your 401k or your job and the job that you lost, you get anxious about that because you care, but you care so much because you're not sure if anyone else cares. And you think, and this is all logical and rational in our minds at the time, you think if I don't worry about it, if I'm not anxious about it, then who is going to be and what is going to happen to my job? You think about that with your kids, parents, right? If I don't, my daughter's in Prescott without me there, okay? In snow, I've had some anxiety, okay? Can I confess that to you? Now, but why do I have that anxiety? Well, I wonder, well, God, do you, are you, are you looking out? Is that snow going to melt quick? It's going to be slippery on the roads? Some of y'all parents who have youth on the trip, you're like, oh, now I'm anxious, <laughs> right? And I, I, don't, I don't really think, God, do you not care, right? I think I have to care because I'm not sure if God cares. And that's where a lot of our anxiety comes. And you need to see just in this passage, the presence of their anxiety didn't mean the absence of God. And I think what's so fascinating in the next verse, Jesus gets woken up do you know how Jesus got woken up in this passage? Was it the great, Mark says great, great windstorm? Was it the water, Mark says, filling the boat? Was it the disciples arguing with one another about what was happening and they were fearful, maybe shouting? Did that wake Jesus up? No. It says the disciples woke Jesus up. It's like mom's, like, you can sleep through anything, but when your kid cries, <gasps> what? <laughs> hey, this is my wife all the time. She can sleep through anything. When she was growing up as a child, she would fall asleep on the table after dinner, right? And just stay asleep there. Like, 
This is the way she rolls. She sleeps hard, heavy. In fact, a few years ago, we had an earthquake. Anybody remember the earthquake we had in Phoenix? Yeah, some of you were asleep. I, I was awake, and my and our headboard was rattling against the wall. And I tried, listen, I tried to wake my wife up. Like, wake up, there's an earthquake in Phoenix. She didn't wake up. But if Tanavi or Ashwin or Neela makes a murmur, throws back the covers, hey, what was that? <laughs> Do you hear that? And I'm like, no, I'm trying to sleep. That's what happens here. Because why? God cares about their anxiety. And so my question for you is, do you, do you know that? Because it's important to know that because then you will start to have some honesty about your anxiety. And that's our second point is that God actually calms our anxiety. Look at the text with me again, verse 39. It says, and Jesus awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He says, peace be still. Almost sounds like the same thing, doesn't it? But it's interesting, in that original language, grammar students, peace is in the present tense. Be still is in the perfect tense. That means it's ongoing. So he's basically saying, as they wake him up, he's basically saying, when stop and you stay that way. Right? It's like in the, in the show Cobra Kai. Uh, I'm a fan. Uh, very nostalgic for me as a Karate Kid fan growing up. The show Cobra Kai, Johnny Lawrence, who we kind of like now. I'm not really sure about that, but we kind of like, right? And uh, Johnny Lawrence in his dojo, whenever the kids are kind of getting crazy, he's always like, at some point, he's like, quiet, right? And it even just sounds kind of weird, so all the kids are like, what? <laughs> and they just stop. That's what happens here, right? It says, the wind ceased. Like, in a moment, it stopped. You see, here's why we need to have honesty about our anxiety before the Lord is because not only does he care about your anxiety, he's powerful enough to heal it. Right? And so we need to go to him with it. The same God who calmed the sea can calm your heart. The, the, the financial, yeah, that, that, that too. Like the same God who calmed this raging sea can calm your marital problems. The same God who calmed this raging sea can calm a pandemic. The same God, amen? In 2022, that's in that boat is in 2022 in your life, God cares about your anxiety. You need to know that. But you also need to know he uniquely is powerful enough to free you from it. And it only happens when you have some honesty about your anxiety. It only happens when you wake up the right person. You see, the disciples, we dog them all the time. Even right here, it's like, oh, guys. I mean, Jesus is asleep. He's Jesus, though. Like, haven't you seen the miracles? He's going to show up. He's going to do something. How could you doubt him? But listen, the disciples did the right thing. They woke up the right person. Amen? They went to Jesus not themselves. And this is important for us to know. God uniquely, he cares about your anxiety. He's powerful enough to free you about it, from it. Uniquely, this is important for us to know because many times we try to deal with anxiety ourselves. Right, case in point, yesterday I got this Apple News notification, which I've uh, meant to turn that off because uh, it always gives me anxiety, whatever they say. Right? And yesterday, but I didn't turn it off. Yesterday, this uh, pops up and it says, anxious about parenting, question mark. 
Now, I'm a dad of three kids, so I said yes, and I clicked the button, right? And I'm reading the article, and basically, I can give you the summary of the article, don't waste your time. Basically, it said, hey, many parents are anxious about raising their kids because they need to treat the kids more like adults. And kids really aren't as bad as they think. This is all really a projection from the parents onto the kids. So it kind of made me feel like I'm crazy, which made me anxious. It kind of made me feel like, oh, that toothpaste that's smeared across the counter in the bathroom. That's just in my imagination, right? That's what this article just told me, like, Like, just handle it. Have a positive outlook. Hey, just see it differently. And how many times? That's how we handle our anxiety, ourselves. We just think, I'm gonna shove some kale in my mouth. Doesn't taste good, but maybe it'll help my anxiety. I'm gonna inhale. How many many, uh, essential oils can I put in this diffuser at one time? And we think, I'm gonna handle my anxiety headspace app. And I'm not saying any of those things are bad in and of themselves. I'm just saying, they're not enough that God uniquely cares about your anxiety and God uniquely has the power to free you from it. So we need to go to him about it, amen? And it's not just like my opinion. That's what we see a pattern of in all of scripture. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. The book of Job, the book of Psalms, primarily two-thirds of those Psalms are lament. The book of Lamentations, that people are being honest about their anxiety with God. But not just those books of the Bible, significant people in the Bible, heroes of our faith did this. Moses, many of you know, God calls Moses, hey, go free the Israelites. And Moses oftentimes has anxiety. He says, God, I can't speak. You got the wrong guy. Job, multiple times, but just one specific quote, he says to God, I have no peace. Elijah, the hero the one with the fire behind his head. Listen to what he said. He said, I've had enough, Lord. Paul, well, not Paul, come on. Paul planted so many churches, the best missionary in all the world, wrote two-thirds of our New Testament. Yeah, that Paul said, I'm utterly burdened beyond strength and despairing of life itself. Jesus Christ, right before the cross in Mark chapter 14, said this, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Listen, in the midst of your anxiety, if you think, any part of you think, I'm not sure if God cares. I'm not sure if I can be honest with him about my anxiety. So you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna stuff it. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna strategize around it. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna numb it with a substance or a sex. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm just gonna work harder. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm just gonna sleep more. And you think you have to do those things and handle anxiety by yourself because you don't want to bother God with it. That's not just a bad idea like it won't work. That's bad theology. You know that? The precedent we see in scripture is honesty about your anxiety. Why? Because that is when you get access to the one who cares for you, but also the one who's powerful enough to heal you from it. And so we, we go to him like Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but what? In everything, in prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. I love that verse, and I love the the English language and grammar because I'm weird and I'm a pastor, right? But I love that it says, let your requests be made known to God. 
passive. It's like, this is what your anxiety wants to do. It wants to rise. And you like pushing down ping pong balls in water, you're trying to suppress what God called you to express to him. And Philippians 4 says, no, no, no. You have a God who cares. He's powerful enough to do something about it. Would you let your anxieties rise? Would you stop trying to push them all down and would you let them rise? That this is actually where you can experience healing. Church, the church, I believe, can and should be the, the space where we bring our shared anxieties in and we let them rise. We're, we're not ashamed of them. We don't lie about them. We're not stuffing them. We let them rise because we believe we have a good God who cares about us and who's powerful in us to heal us from our anxieties. That's what this should be. That's what this space should be. Because it's true. God cares about your anxiety. God calms your anxiety. The last thing, God challenges your anxiety. Look at verse 40 in Mark 4. It says, Jesus said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? I love that they went from being scared about the sea to now they're scared of Jesus, right? I mean, they just saw this massive feed of Jesus instantly quieting the storm. And you have to see, I mean, we could just end with like, it would be kind of cute and nice if I just ended with God cares about your anxiety and he calms your anxiety, pray, let's go home, right? But God does challenge your anxiety and he does it primarily related to their faith, right? He says, have you still no faith? You see, anxiety can do one of two things. It can move you away from God or it can be a catalyst to move you towards faith in God, See, many times we, we pit it like this. We ask two questions. Hey, will you have anxiety or will you have faith? Which one's it gonna be, church? That's not the question. It's will you have faith in your anxiety? Do you see the difference? It's all about where do you go when you are anxious? Do you go to yourself? Do you go to a numbing? Do you go to an avoiding? Do you just work more? You, you know what it is. Where do you go Anxiety should be a catalyst that pushes you towards faith in God. Jesus, he challenges our anxiety, right? Many of you know Matthew 6, he says, hey, it's inefficient. It doesn't help, right? Who of you by worrying could even add a single hour to your life? Jesus challenges your anxiety, but primarily around what else is in Matthew 6? Hey, seek ye first the kingdom of God. All these things are gonna be added to you. Hey, why don't you go bird watching? <laughs> Just look at the, is God taking care of the birds? Why would you have faith in the midst of your anxiety that he will take care of you, right? It's not just, will you have faith or will you? It's, will you have faith in the midst of your anxiety? And God wants to challenge you today. Where are you going in the midst of your anxiety? God has challenged me with this. Uh, last Sunday, I ran a half marathon. And many of you know this because Pastor AC made fun of me about it and said I talk about it all the time, which, you know, I'm talking about it again, AC, so there you go, right? And it kind of, the stories got out of hand of last Sunday, like I heard about it, like maybe he was preaching with his medal on, like his half marathon medal. I don't know what got into him last Sunday, but I did run the half marathon. My wife ran the full marathon. 
Uh, baby, it was actually funny this morning, you weren't here at first service, and uh, I said, you know, my wife ran the full marathon. I was like, actually, that's why she's not here this morning. And everybody was kind of like really concerned. <laughs> and I was like, no, just kidding. She's coming to second service, but uh, she's actually okay, right? Okay, you're good. Um, so I ran the half, my wife ran the full, and uh, she had way more time to think than I did, but I had a lot of time, like two hours plus to think and to process things. And what began to happen in me is I began to realize with two hours to think that there's some things that I'm anxious about that I did not realize before because I never stopped or ran for two hours to feel that, right? Uh, many of you know, uh, one of those things, uh, my dad recently got diagnosed, di- di- got diagnosed with cancer. And some of you have prayed for my dad. Thank you for that. It's actually good news. We have stage one cancer. I heard best case scenario a few times. So praise God. Amen. Uh, thank you for praying for my dad. We really appreciate that. Uh, but I still have some anxiety over it. And, I, you know, I'm a pastor in life. I'm a, a leader. And so I tend to be like the rock uh, uh, for people in life, for our church. And, and even for my family, you know, my family wanted me in on these phone calls with the surgeons. And so I've kind of gotten to walk with this, with the, this process really intimately and And it took sort of two hours uh, of misery (laughs) in my half marathon to realize, like, um, I'm anxious about this. And I've tried to be my own firm foundation, and I've tried to be the rock on which everybody else stands. And I just kind of realized, like, man, I... I haven't given this up to God. And uh, I, I was trying to run a good time in the half marathon, and so I was listening to music, typically like motivational, inspirational music. And, and if a track came on, if it wasn't doing that for me, I, I switched the track, right? And this song came on that started out kind of as a ballad, and I almost switched the track, but for some reason I didn't. And it was a song who just really simply said, take it all away, take it all away to all that's left is you. And I just remember running and thinking, okay, maybe God, you're trying to say something to me. And so I just let the song play. And it was one of those worship songs that just goes on for like 10 minutes, really drenched with a spirit, right? And it was just, and it get more upbeat, like take it all away, take it all away to all that's left, but like better than that, right? And I just, it just kept preaching this to me the whole time. And I was just thinking, oh, okay, God, maybe you're trying to tell me something. Maybe I've taken all of this on myself and I haven't asked you to take it all away. Like 1 Peter 5, 7, like cast, throw off your cares upon God. Why? Because he cares for you. And, And I just had this, 10 minute song and I mean I I don't know if anybody noticed but I was like running down the I was like take it off (laughs) and I mean it was it was very motivational like better than the Rocky soundtrack that I'd listened to right before and I just let me tell you I got to the end of that race the anxiety wasn't gone like my dad still has cancer there's still a complex surgery coming up like the anxiety wasn't gone but I had transferred the weight from me to God. And listen, it took me two hours running a miserable race. (laughs) Like, what does it take for you? Maybe it's journaling and you think, well, Tim, that's lame. I don't journal. I know some of you are thinking that. But maybe that's what it's gonna take. You just start writing down your anxieties. Okay, 1 Peter 5, 7, cast them on God. 
take it all the way. Not, he doesn't say take them on yourself. No, he says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Like, give them to me. And so this morning, we have the opportunity to do that. Maybe you don't have a dad who has cancer. Maybe it's something else. Maybe, it's, maybe it is like the bubbles in the text message, and you're like, I'm not friends with that person anymore. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's living in a pandemic. Maybe it's church this morning, and you're like, is he going to finish? Is he going to wrap this? What time is it? And you got some anxiety over that. I don't know what it is for you, but I know God cares, and I know he wants to calm your anxiety, and he also wants to challenge you to put your faith in him in the midst of it. Amen? Amen? That's where the healing comes. That's what's available to you, but you gotta ask him to take it, and he's faithful to do that. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, God, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for these men and women, and I do pray that you would change some anxiety in this room to comfort, to encouragement, to faith in you. And God, you would do that by the power of your spirit. God, you would use this message, you would use these words to change us. And God, we would be bold enough this morning to respond and to ask you to take away our anxieties and not to try to handle them on our own. And God, we would even now, as we sing, we would begin to experience the healing, the freedom that comes from a God who cares and who's uniquely powerful enough to do something about our anxieties. God, help our anxieties to be a catalyst to faith in you, knowing you meet us there and you rescue us out of it. God, that's the Jesus we serve. That's the Jesus we celebrate. And so I pray that you would help us to do that now by your spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen.